The following was recorded live as part of homeschool.com's 2005 homeschooling teleconference. To order additional recordings, visit www.homeschool.com or send an email to orders at homeschool.com. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the last two days of homeschool.com's 2005 teleconference. Uh, first up this morning, we're going to be speaking with Elizabeth Hagen on calming the chaos of clutter in your home, which is a, a topic near and dear to everyone's heart. Uh, we ran a survey on homeschool.com last year. We had about 10,000 people respond, and we asked them but what the biggest challenge was that they're facing regarding homeschooling and uh, expected the answer to be about algebra or some academic subject. But uh, the biggest challenge, apparently, is time management, organization, and how to motivate the kids. So as you can tell, we uh, asked a lot of speakers in those areas to join us for the teleconference this year. Uh, Elizabeth Hagen uh, her, began her organizing business in the year 2000. Uh, she's a proud member of the uh, National Association of Professional Organizers and of the National Speakers Association. Her combined degrees in family and consumer science and business has given Elizabeth a unique perspective on professional organizing. Uh, she is a business owner and a stay-at-home mom of five. It's taught her, of course, the importance of being organized. She has sharpened her time management, space organizing, and problem-solving skills in the real world, and she's going to share her suggestions and her talents with us here this morning. So welcome, Elizabeth. Can you still hear me, Elizabeth? Yes, yes, Rebecca. And, and if you would, uh, your voice is probably too soft. We have, uh, okay. we'll have several hundred people on the call this morning. So, um, you're gonna probably have to scream into the handset. I'll talk loud. Thank you. Talk okay. as loudly as you can because we don't want to miss a single word. Okay. So, um, thank you very much for being with us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became a professional organizer? Yes. And I could talk about business background and college degrees, which I think is extremely, extremely boring. Where I got started, Rebecca, was back in 1985 when we had four children under the age of five and a half. And to say I was overwhelmed and my life was chaotic is to minimize it greatly. I didn't know what I was doing. But I realized one thing, that when I was stressed out and my environment was not functioning, I didn't like myself very well. And when I didn't like myself very well, I didn't treat people in my life like I wanted to treat them. Now, I survived an abusive childhood growing up. I always told myself when I have children that the dysfunction would stop with me. So I took this very seriously. I thought, well, how can I get some help? Where can I go? I had no role models and know what to do. I thought, well, there's got to be a book out there. I love to learn, love to read. And I discovered there was a book called More Hours in My Day by Emily Barnes. And I took this book home and just read it cover to cover, and I started implementing the systems and tools that Emily talked about and found that they worked in my home. And as my home became more organized, got the clutter under control, started menu planning, taking care of the toys and clothes, all that sort of thing, my environment started functioning well. It became more peaceful, and I felt better about myself and I treat people my life better. So that's really where I got started back then. Elizabeth, um, could you speak up probably twice as loud as you okay. are now? All right. Thank you. Just even louder as you can. Would okay. you repeat the name of that uh, book that you read so that yes. our listeners can get that book? Is it is the book still available, say, at Amazon.com or at bookstores? Yes. And is this loud enough, Rebecca? Even louder if you can. Okay. More Hours in My Day by Emily Barnes. And Emily is spelled E M. I-L-I-E. Now, if you do a Google search now on organizing books, you're going to find thousands. But, you know, this is back in 1985 when there wasn't much. But it's probably the best book out there to this day. It's part of the information age, too, don't you think, that there's so much information out there and so much input coming in that it's easy to get overwhelmed and cluttered? Oh, very much so. In your opinion, then, you, you talked about it for your own personal experiences, which I'm sure we can all relate to, but uh, why do you think it's important to get organized? Well, I think, like I said, the peace of mind you have when your environment is functioning, you can handle things better. Because as you know, life happens. And if you can have in, under control 
your normal day-to-day life, when the stuff happens that's a surprise or a tragedy, you can handle that so much better. And when I think of homeschool moms and dads with the kids in the house all the day and all the schedules and so forth, if the environment and home is organized, how much better you could be as a teacher to your your children also. I'm thinking it's focused, too, that you can better able to concentrate on what's important and not being distracted so much by what's your environment, by what's around you. Yes, I agree, yes. So um, how do we know what clutter is and what we should keep and what we should get rid of? Okay, I get that question a lot, and I've come up with a definition. And the definition of clutter is anything you own, possess, or do which does not enhance your life on a regular basis. I'll repeat that. Anything you own, possess, or do which does not enhance your life on a regular basis. So I'm not talking about the wedding dress or special baby blankets and storage. I'm talking about as you look around your home, what possessions are not enhancing your life, and that's clutter. Now, you also will notice I put the word do in the definition. There are activities that are clutter also. And so when you look at organizing your environment, don't only think about your material possessions, but also what you do in your activities also. Thank you. And, and, and as you would, keep speaking louder and louder. Okay. Oh, that's good. Right there. Okay. Yeah, moving your mouth really close to the mouthpiece. All so, right. So, if, um, Elizabeth, if uh, clutter is so bad, then why do we have so much of it? Okay, I found that there are four main reasons we have so much stuff. And one of the ones is gifts. I mean, how many times have you gotten a gift from someone you've loved but really couldn't stand the gift? Well, then you're caught in a quandary. What do you do with it? I mean, what if this person comes over and it's not staying out and you're not displaying it? There's some emotional problems right there. Another reason we have so much stuff is what I call buyer's remorse. Have you ever maybe had a little tiff with your spouse or your children embarrassed you in a store or something and you thought, you know, I think I'll just go to the mall and buy that blouse I wanted. That will make me feel better. And so you go to the mall and you buy the blouse and you feel better for about 10 seconds. <laughs> and then you come home and you realize that life is the same. You're now suffering virus remorse. And my suggestion if you do this is shop at stores with really good return policies. The third reason is the ever-popular phrase, someday maybe, or you just never know. Because as you try to organize, you're going to pick up a piece of possession in your home, and you think, oh, I don't really know what this is, but you know what? You just never know. And so we keep a lot of stuff because of that reason. Of course, my parents' generation, they were part of the Depression, so they held on to everything. Yes, and I found, Rebecca, that even though we're not of that generation, most of us, we can carry that same into our adulthood from that also. Because we were raised with it. Yes. And then the fourth reason, this is the hugest reason that I found, is childhood or family of origin issues. If in your childhood there was a severe loss, perhaps through a death of a parent or sibling or divorce, alcoholism, abuse, you name it. If you suffered through that, most likely this hole formed in your heart from the pain of all that. And as you go grow into adulthood, that hole is still there. And so what we do is we try and fill that home hole by buying possessions. Mm-hmm. But of course, that doesn't fill that hole at all. And so many times that's, that's one of the main reasons. And I find as I work one-on-one with clients, and of course I get to know them very quickly because I'm in their stuff so intimately, that if that's the case, that story comes out quite quickly, and then I can come at it in a more empathetic manner and uh, treat it that way. But that's, that's a big reason is emotional issues. Like you said, consumer therapy. You know, we buy something hoping it will make us feel better. It doesn't, but then we feel bad about getting rid of things. It feels so wasteful. Yes. So what does clutter cost us? 
okay, it, do, it does cost us big time. We may not think it does because we can get so used to the clutter that we see every day, we kind of think it's fine. But it costs us, and the first way it costs us is in time. And that's obvious. As you're racing around trying to find something, you're probably not only wasting your time, but someone else's time as well. The second thing it costs us is energy. Not only physical energy, but more importantly, emotional energy. And if you would picture this scenario, you're on the phone with someone, and they're asking you for some information that's your responsibility to have. And you know that it's your responsibility, but you also know you saw it somewhere, but you have no idea where it is. And as this person's waiting on the phone, you're going through stacks of paper trying to find it, and you know you're not, you're not, and this pit forms in your stomach, the sweat forms at your brow, and are you calling yourself good names right now or pretty mm. bad names? Yeah. A pretty bad name. So it's costing emotional energy. The third thing it costs you money. To give you an example of this, let's say you go to the grocery store, again without a list, and you're in the ketchup aisle and think, ketchup, I think I need some. No, I don't. Yes, I do. Well, you know what? You just never know and so I'll just buy a bottle and take it home and so you go home you unload the groceries and you for once really really dig in your pantry you find two more bottles of ketchup in the back you pull those out and open the lid there's that black cruddy stuff that's formed on the top you know you've got time to throw it away your clutter has cost you money and then the fourth reason fourth thing it costs us is peace of mind if you shudder when the doorbell rings or someone comes to your office, then your clutter is costing you peace of mind. It's time to do something about it. Now, of course, homeschoolers, we are really using our homes. Uh, many homeschoolers have home businesses, and yeah. we're using our uh, home as our classroom. I mean, so we are, we are in our homes. We're using them every minute of the day. And you have so many more um, organization issues and so many more supplies and objects in your home. So where do we start? Okay. in our home and in our home office? Excellent question. When people ask me that, I tell them to take a walk around their home and their home office and notice how they feel as they look at certain areas. How do you feel when you look at the top of that desk? How do you feel when you look at the kitchen counter? And kind of try and gauge that. And maybe where you feel the most stress, that's the place to start. Now, on the other hand, though, if that's a huge area that's quite a complex matter, maybe you want to start at a place, a simple drawer, to give yourself a quick success story. So depending on your frame of mind and energy level and maybe what time of day it is, go that way. If you're feeling strong and really want to do this thing, start at the most complex area because you'll feel the best because it's such a huge job. You'll feel so great when it's done. If you're not feeling so strong, start in a more easier area like a, maybe a simple drawer so you really you take a personal approach to it you're not looking at it and saying okay you know what should i clean up for somebody else instead no. you're saying okay what's sucking my energy away yeah you know, what what's um the most irritating to me and then you look at that job and if it's too big you either break it down or you start with a, a smaller one and kind of build up your confidence Yes, it's a very good way of putting it, Rebecca. Okay, yeah, I, I live with this. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> you know, homeschooler, three children, home business. Oh, yes. It's, yes. it's all of our reality. Okay. Do you know, uh, do you have a particular system that we can use to get organized? Yes, I have my signature START method, and START is an acronym. And I think what I'll do, Rebecca, is explain what the acronym means and then give an example. Yes, and callers, uh, you might want to grab some paper and pen because all day today we're going to be giving you excellent information, and I, I think you're going to want to take notes on it. Okay, so thank you. So START is the acronym, and I've got my paper and pen out here too. Okay, S stands for sort. T stands for throw <laughs> or give or recycle. A stands for appoint. A home, that's a point, A-P-P-O-I-N-T, a point, a home. R is restrict to a container. And T is take back control. So for my example, I think we'll take 
all we all have the home offices with the school supplies and so forth. Let's take a drawer in the home office. So what I want you to do when you use the start method is go to the drawer with these supplies. Have some black garbage bags. And the reason they're black is so you can't see what you've thrown away <laughs> later. Okay. Have one for throw and one for give or garage sale, whatever you choose to do. And you're going to go up to that, that desk drawer and you're going to stand there. And in your mind, you're going to draw an imaginary circle around your feet. It's called the Elizabeth Circle. You may not step out of that circle until the job is complete. And I'll explain why in a minute. And then you're going to take everything out of that drawer. I mean everything. And put it all over the desk or the floor, whatever is a convenient place. At this point, you're going to wish you had never heard of me because it's a disaster. You thought it was bad before. And it does get worse before it gets better. Don't worry. It's okay. Take everything out. You're going to sort through. You can do the S. Sort through. What belongs in this drawer? What doesn't? Ask yourself questions. Let's say you pull out a flashlight. And the flashlight really belongs in the garage with a tool basket. Here's where the Elizabeth Circle comes in. Do not leave the circle. Uh-huh. If you leave, I will never get you back. Because you'll go to the garage. You'll find the place for the flashlight. Well, that's a mess. And so you start organizing in there. Half hour later, you come back in your house, and you about fall over in shock because you forgot you were organizing the desk drawer. That's now a disaster if you throw everything back in. When you find something that does not belong in that drawer, you don't want to throw it, you don't want to give it, set it aside in a box to be brought out to other parts of the house later. So S, you're sorting through what belongs here and what doesn't. And while you're sorting, you're throwing or you're giving or recycling or you're garage sailing. So you're really going through stuff and you're being really ruthless. I tell people, get ruthless. Really think, why do I have this? I don't even know if we even own this. We don't even own this car for these keys. You know, start getting realistic. (laughs) That's the sort and the throw. Then after you've done that, what's left there now belongs in that drawer. You've now appointed a home for those items. From now on and forevermore, when that stapler is out and about around the house, you know it has a home and you can put it away. See, here's the issues in a family. If the kids and husband and, or, and wife don't know where the item goes, how can they put it away? They can't. So where is it going to go? On the kitchen counter on the kitchen table, on the coffee table, because they don't know where it goes. I think there's a 90% chance they may put it away if they have a, if they know where it goes. So you've appointed a home for those items. Now you want to restrict them to a container. So in a desk drawer, there are some great containers that you can purchase from the Targets, Walmarts, and so forth. They're called uh, drawer dividers, and they're kind of modular plastic you have to kind of hook together. That's great. But you can also look around your house. You have some empty checkbook box boxes. You have some empty baby food jars for packs, paper clips. Kind of look around. But try and get it into a container as much as possible. So there's maybe one container for pens and pencils, one for markers, uh, one for stapler and staples and so forth. So if you restrict it to a container, now, you look in that drawer, and I want you to smile and pat yourself on the back. It's going to look beautiful. You're going to be so glad you did it. You're going to feel a very peaceful, peace-of-mind feeling. But here's what happens. Because we're all humans and live with other people, life happens, and the, the drawer after a month or two gets kind of a mess again. That's okay. That's where the T comes in. Take back control. You discover that you're not really happy with how the drawer is organized anymore. Do the start method again. Every time you do it, it'll get easier and easier because you get rid of more and more stuff and the drawer really becomes exactly what it's meant to be. So that's the start method. Now that method, Rebecca, can be used anywhere. Home, office, garage, drawers, closets, you name it. I was thinking of the kitchen pantry too would be very handy. Oh, perfect. And then with the pantry, be sure. I, I just did this the other day in a client's home. 
we did the start method in her pantry, and we put things back. I got my labeler, and I labeled the shelves, you know, soups, cream of celery, and so forth. And that way, when our grandma's in the house, babysitters, and so forth, they put things away, everyone knows where it goes. There's no excuse when, when you label. In other words, people know where the home is. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, meal preparation. You've mentioned that in grocery shopping. And of course, that's yes. a, a, a big time commitment. Do you yes. have any, um, any, any suggestions and secrets for us on that? Yes. I think that if you are the person in charge of the, family, uh, charge of the meal and you know what's for dinner in the morning, your whole day goes better. Don't you find? Rather than scrambling, I, I, yes. I aspire to that, Elizabeth. I don't want to okay. give away all my secrets, <laughs> my dirty black secrets. Well, anyway, because then you're not worried about all day long, what's for dinner? It's all planned. But here's, here's my thoughts. I pick Sunday, but pick a day of the week to plan for the week. And I like family meetings. You know, it go real well, but I like them. I think it's great to do that. You down the whole family with the calendar. And you look at the count the week. You plan the activities, who's taking who where, what needs to be done. And then you look at what days you're home for dinner, what days all the family's home, what days they're not, and so forth. And you plan your menu. Now, on my website at elizabethhagen.com, if you go to, I think it's called Free, free Resources, I have a wonderful grocery list slash menu planner. And you can print it out. It's absolutely free. And what you do is you print it out, and then you make some copies and clip them to a clipboard. And then you get an adhesive cup hook, and you put that inside a kitchen cupboard, and you hang the clipboard on with a pen. So it's always there, and you show the family. Now, here's the beauty of this, a couple beauties. One is you use it every week to plan your menu because it's got a menu planner on it, and then you see what groceries you need. But as the week goes by and you use your last can of tomato soup, start having the discipline to go right down right away. You need tomato soup. It maybe takes two seconds. And then you teach your family. When they empty the cereal, instead of putting the empty box back in the pantry, <laughs> they actually throw it away, and they go right to the grocery list and write it down. Here's how this helps, Rebecca. It saves a huge amount of time. The one way it helps is that when you're ready to go to the grocery store, Instead of checking your pantry, checking the fridge, checking everything, you take the list and you go because you know that all week long you've kept up on it and you've trained your family to do that. You see, I go to the store once a week, and so my family knows that if they don't write it down, they will wait a whole week until I go again. I don't just run to the store for one or two things. And then you're not they, wasting your time by going every other day or a couple of times a day because you run out of milk or you run out of cereal. Exactly. And then also on this list, I categorize the store by categories. I have freezer, dairy, produce, and so forth. And so as you write things down, you write them down right in the right category. So you go to the store with this wonderful list, and you're in the ketchup aisle. You know you don't need ketchup. You have this list. When you're at the freezer, you get all the freezer. You're at the dairy, you get all the dairy. You're not crisscrossing the store. So you're saving a lot of time in the store also. When you're probably buying, saving money too, because and then you're you know, not buying extra things, and you're not just kind of picking up hungry items or spontaneous items. You have a list to work off of. Exactly, and then you're not going to the aisles you don't need to go into. Now you said so. You said this meal planner, grocery list, and meal planner is available at www.elizabethhagen.com. Elizabethhagen.com. And then you have a section identified as a free resource page. Yes. Wonderful. Gosh, thank you for having that available to everyone. Oh, you're welcome. It saves my life so that I can save others. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, what about, you know, we talked about a little about the closet. That's also kind of a scary area. Oh. In, in some people's homes, I've heard, never mind. <laughs> but uh, so what happens if you walk into a closet, you have plenty of clothes, but nothing to wear? What can you do? Yeah, none of us can relate to that, right? No. At <laughs> least okay. we don't want to confess it. Yeah. Well, getting back to that one question you asked earlier, you know, where do you start? And a lot of times I say to women in your home, if you want to feel good for the household, start in your kitchen because that's where most of the stuff ends up when people come into the house. It's a big mess. But if you want to do something for yourself, do your closet. 
because, see, when you walk into your closet each morning, you want to get dressed, not stressed. And that, that's what happens. We walk in, we see all these clothes, we see all this money we spent that we made mistakes on, and we stand there, and what do we do? We tear ourselves down. Yeah. Or and the I, clothes are too big or too small. That makes us feel yeah. bad. Yeah. Spend too much money. Don't even like it. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a whole emotional thing. And I'm all about confidence and feeling good about yourself. Now, we wear, Rebecca, 20% of what's in our closet. 80% is just sitting there. And the biggest reason it's sitting there is because it does not fit. That must, this 20-80 rule must be really true for shoes. <laughs> because, you know, I'm thinking about really, you wear maybe 10 or 20% of your shoes, the ones that are really comfortable. Yes, yes, yes. I happen to love shoes, though, so, but, okay. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so my question is, okay, if these clothes don't fit, why are they in the closet? Well, of course the answer is, but they may fit someday. Yes. And I always ask again, okay, but why are they in the closet? It's like having expired milk in the fridge or something like, you know, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit. It isn't. So why have it in the closet? Because every time you thumb past that size 12 pant and you're now 14, you feel bad. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And so I tell people, use the start method. Now, here's the thing. Close the door and lock it. And tell your family that they can't come out to get you. But take everything out of the closet. It's going to be a huge disaster because there's just so much in there, okay? But... The, the whole room is now the Elizabeth Circle. You stay in there and do the start method, and you have to try things on. And my suggestion is if it does not fit, do not put it back in your closet. I'm not saying you have to get rid of it. But get some bins, market size 12, market someday, market, market in my dreams, you know, whatever you want to market, and get out of your closet and store it somewhere else. Plus, you know what? One man's trash, trash is another man's treasure. Oh. And that always helps me to move things on. So I think, oh, my goodness, I'm not wearing this. I'm not loving it. Somebody else may really appreciate this. Move it on. Oh, exactly. And I, I always tell my audiences, we are so blessed beyond measure. And there are so many women who right now could be wearing that coat or that pair of pants and feel beautiful and warm and love. Get it out. Yes. Okay. And they would they would love it and they would appreciate it. Oh, and they wear it. But instead, it's just sitting in our closet. Yes. And also, I found Rebecca when I help clients go through and they get rid of those things that don't fit, and that they spent too much money on, don't even like. They feel so much better. You can just see the smiles on her face. Now, here's my guideline. I'm sure you've heard the guideline. If you haven't worn it in a year or six months, get rid of it. That's not my guideline. Mine is, how do you feel when you put it on? If you feel beautiful, alive, vibrant, keep it. I don't care if it's 10 years old, you wear it once a year. If you put it on, you feel drained, exhausted, sick, you dumpy. bought it yesterday, yeah, yeah. dumpy, dumpy, get it out. Yeah. Now, I don't care what you paid for, it doesn't matter. The money's done, gone, most likely, going to the receipt. And so it doesn't matter. So you use that and really be ruthless. And if possible, have a friend who is blunt with you and we'll be honest i tell my clients if they want me to be blunt and honest which is the whole point of hiring me is i will tell them about the colors and size and so forth and and you know women appreciate that like you said though we know it instinctively because there are some outfits we wear again and again because we feel dynamite when we're wearing them and of course when you feel good then you're really more confident you're happier you're more outgoing those are important reasons yes exactly so that's how you do the closet and Sure, the first time you do it, you'll get rid of some stuff, but not much. But every time that you do it, you'll get you'll do it more and more. And I found that in my own life, I've gotten me such a picky shopper now. I only buy what I really, 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 really love. And I've taught my girls that also, and so and that helps. If you only buy what you really, really love. You can't find much out there. That is, <laughs> so, it is true. Exactly. If yeah. you don't love it, don't buy it. You yeah. know, I'm thinking a closet is a good place to start too. Because so much time in a mom's life, you know, we make a bed, it's unmade. We uh, we make a meal, it's, you know, it's eaten. We clean yes. the dishes, it's dirty. 
But a closet area, it's kind of controlled. Our kids aren't really in there. The babysitters aren't in there. We can clean it, make it beautiful, and most likely it's going to stay that way. There's just less you know, outside people involved in that area. And I'm yes. thinking it's a smaller area, too, kind of easier to take control of. Yes. Yeah, so that, that, that's a good point, and you do it for yourself, and that's always a good thing, too. Now, homeschoolers, we tend to have a lot of paper around mm-hmm. the house. You know, because we buy um, curriculum that we think is going to be dynamite for our children, yes. but they don't like it or it doesn't fit their learning style or it's just not right. And it's in uh, the same philosophy, too, you know, hand it on to somebody else that it may work really well for them. But the reality is we tend to have a lot of paper clutter. Yes. What is your advice in that area? I want you to know that you're not alone, okay? I think 85% of my work is with paper. It's such a national epidemic. Now, you may have heard the myth, Touch a piece of paper only once. That's only true with Charmin and Kleenex. Okay? <laughs> so let's throw that myth out the door. Here are the five decisions to make. As you pick up a piece of paper, you have one of five decisions. So this works for email, voicemail, and verbal requests, and things you think of also. The five decisions are, can I toss it? Can I delegate it? Can I act on it? Is it a file for follow-up, or is it a reference file? And I'll explain those. But I want you to know that of those five decisions, you heard, you did not hear stuffing, stacking, or spreading. When you don't have that, this decision-making process, are you still there, Rebecca? Yes, I am. Okay, so I lost you. Okay. You know that have that process, you're going to stuff, stack, or spread. That's what most everybody does. So let's, let's pick up a piece of paper, and here's... The five decisions. Can I toss it? Some questions to ask yourself. Is this a duplicate? Do I have it somewhere else in another shape or form? Throw it. Is it uh, a legal issue? Uh, there I'd rather you keep too much than not enough. Can I get it again easy somewhere else? Maybe off the internet. You know, toss it. When I say toss, also I mean, I mean recycle or shred also. So toss as much as possible. It's amazing how little you need to keep. If you can't toss it, can you delegate to someone else? You give it to someone else to do. If you can't do that, perhaps it's, an, it's a paper you take action on. And a guideline I have here is if it takes two minutes or less, just do it. Return the phone call, answer the email, whatever it is, just do it and then get out of your life. It's done. If you can't toss, delegate or act, it may be a file for follow-up. And what that means is it's an action that takes a little bit more time, maybe some more steps to it, you can't do it right now. More than likely, those are the papers all over your desk and kitchen counter because you're afraid that if you put it away somewhere, you're never going to find it again. And so I want to explain the household or office command center that works like a charm. And I can really see this in a homeschool environment also. Oh, yes, please. Yes. Okay. What you want to do, if you don't have a file drawer, okay, if you do, I'll explain that in a minute. But if you don't have one, and many kitchen stones, and maybe you're on the kitchen table where you teach, you don't have it, okay? Go to Walmart and buy a desktop file holder. It's a plastic, kind of an open-type box. I think it's 7 bucks. They're black, and they're in the office aisle. Desktop file holder. Then in the front, you're going to put a tickler file. A tickler file is an accordion unit that is labeled 1 through 31, and January through December. Now, some office supply stores sell them. Second, I think they're kind of hard to find. So I have one on my website called the Tickler File System so that people can look at and know what it looks like if they want to look in their own home. But, uh, but can't we purchase it from your website, too? Oh, I thought uh, I saw that on there. Yes, yes, of course. Because these are hard to find. They're very hard to find. Where, where is the Tickler File available at? It's elizabethhagen.com. Yes, under products. Okay. It's called Tickler File System. You set this in the front because it's, it's a one-unit system, and but it's accordion, so it can expand. Now, as you pick up a piece of paper and you think, okay, today is uh, August 3rd, and I want to call this person back on the 5th, drop it into the 5th label there, and then forget about it until the 5th comes. Maybe you want to test your child on something on the 8th. You want a reminder to do that. Drop that reminder in the 8th. See, I'm picturing one of these for each child because then what you're going to do behind 
the Kipler file, this equipment of space, you're going to get some hanging file folders. And you're going to have them in a typical folder labeled, and this comes with my system too, but for a typical mom, is you may want to have a calendar entry folder. When things that come across your desk that need to go to the calendar, don't have time right now, throw to the calendar entry. You want to have a labeled folder for each person in your life. For your child, have a folder for each subject you're taking at that semester. When they have things they want to work on but don't have time now, they can put it away. What the whole idea is, Rebecca, is that this is a home for papers you need to take action on. Some other folders in there for a mom. You may want one called coupons for coupons, one for receipts, one for order. If you order a lot off the Internet, which many people do, uh-huh. then they have you print off that confirmation page. Well, what do you do with that? Well, it lives on your desk, probably. No, you put in the order folder. When the order comes, pull out the confirmation page, check it. If it's okay, you can then shred the confirmation page. That's right. And that way we don't forget that we made the order. Well, that's another another good reason. And then for the ch- the children in the homeschool environment, I'm picturing the Tipler file and then a folder for each other subjects and maybe a folder called uh, term paper, you know, big projects they're working on. So there's home for things. They can take this easy uh, file holder wherever they're working on in their home. So that's, that's my thought there. Which is important, too, for homeschoolers because a lot of times we work at the coffee table or the kitchen table, and then we need to be able to move it off for the meals. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Something like a good idea because then they can uh, store this uh, the tickler file in uh, in a cabinet or a bookshelf somewhere. Yes. Yes. I think it makes a lot of sense. Do you have any other uh, hints for uh, for homeschoolers? That's my big one. I, I but, like it. Yeah, but the other one I was thinking about when I was thinking about this was I would think because I, I work with some homeschool moms uh, organizing their homes. And like you said, Rebecca, you're in your home. I mean, everybody is all day long. And I would think it would be pretty hard to focus and work when you look over your shoulder there's a disaster back there. And my suggestion is if you're not teaching school this August, maybe take an August off, maybe this is a time to really organize your home. Use the start method and organize your home. That will that, that will help you so much with then working with your child. Yes, getting off to a good start. Yes. Because like you said, it's a time suck. It's an energy suck. It diverts our oh. attention and our energies. Because you're thinking, you know, I really should clean off that coffee table, but I really should work with my child here. It's kind of, kind of torn. And I like this method, too, because it's not saying everybody has to have the same things because some people have a higher tolerance for chaos mm-hmm. than others. This yes. way you're just focusing on the areas that are bothering you. Yeah, exactly. And then... Also, look and at if, and if our husbands stuff. complain about certain areas, we can explain the start method yes. to them, so they can work on the areas that are bothering them. Exactly. <laughs> They're gonna love that that they heard me talk. <laughs> That's right. Then we just hand them your CD. Yes, exactly. So, what also, about magazines and journals? Because homeschoolers tend to have a lot of subscriptions. Yes. Again, think through how much time do you really have. Do you really have time to read all those magazines? If they're stacked up in stacks and you walk by and you feel guilty, here's the funny thing. You're being made to feel guilty by an inanimate object. And that's just silly. It's, it's dead. It, it doesn't have any feelings. But if it did have feelings, it, it would know that you're never going to clip all those articles and file them. <laughs> so as you look around all the journals and magazines you have, Think about how much time you have and which ones are really important and cancel the subscription. And then you can bring, I know in my town, I can bring magazines to the library, to the mission, find a place to go recycle these and get them out so you're not looking at them and start fresh. And emails too. Cancel the subscriptions. Yes. You know, if you're you're not using them and it's just clutter and it's no fun, cancel them. It's okay to say no thank you. Yes. And then once, once in a while if you need that magazine, that whatever magazine it is, Go buy one. Sure, I know it costs more than yeah. you get a subscription, but it really does cost less because you're not getting 12 of them. You can't read anyway. Or you can go to the library. Yes. Oh, the library has the back issues. It's kind of fun to spend the day at the library when you're in that mood going through all the magazines. Yes. 
Now, what about, let's talk just a little bit about schedule. I want to open up the call because yes. I know people are going to have a lot of questions for you. Okay. But, you know, sometimes a, a schedule can seem a little overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Now, now, homeschoolers, our advantage, I find, is that uh, we're in control of our schedule more. We really have a lot more flexibility. And yes. sometimes uh, people think that it's um, more stressful to homeschool, but in reality, it can take less time to homeschool than to send your children to school. Plus, we don't have to, you know, be up at, you know, out at 7.30 every morning. But mm-hmm. still, it can get a little overwhelming. What's your advice for that? Okay. Sit down with your spouse and your children and everyone list every activity they're in. I mean every activity. And then you're going to go through all these combined activities and you're going to rate them on one to four. One being extremely important to four being the less important. And then you're going to do what I call the dump the rocks activity. You're going to take a deep breath. You're going to dump the threes and fours. Dumping the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> then you have time for the twos and ones. And if you're really brave, dump the twos. And boy, won't you have quality of life when your activities are truly the most important and not just doing things to do things for whatever reason. Plus, my goodness, it's so helpful just to identify, to yes. openly acknowledge what's really important to you. That's it. That's important. Yes. That's powerful. And ask your kids. You know, a lot of times we think they love soccer. They can't stand it, but they're going because we thought it was important. So ask them. So we're going to, so I'm going to go over this because this sounds really, really helpful yes. and I'd like to use it immediately myself. Okay. So we sit down with our family and we go over all the activities that we're involved in that we have planned and then we rate them. So one is the activity that's the most important and the most enjoyable. And then yes. we rate it for two, three, and four. And the idea is to let go of the threes and fours, dump the rock so that yes. we have uh, more time to identify and spend time on the ones and twos. Yes. Well, it's very simple, but uh, elegant. Thank you. Well, uh, Elizabeth, before we open up the call, would you please tell us again your uh, contact information and what tools and resources you have available at ElizabethHagen.com? Yes, well, my website is ElizabethHagen.com, and please <coughs> sign up. I do have a great newsletter. It is not junk. It comes once a month with some simple tips and hints. And what's really cool, when you sign up, you get my free Organizing Your Kitchen Toolkit. And so you can go step by step and really organize your kitchen. That's a newsletter. Got some great products. I've got free articles, the free grocery list menu planner. So be sure and visit my website. And you know, I wanted to correct one thing too, Elizabeth. We we're talking about junk mail, and uh, one of our experts who spoke to us about the internet, she said you do not uh, respond to those and cancel those because then they know that you're an active, a good email address, and it just makes it worse. So exactly. I just I want to go back and correct that. Yes, uh, make a rule that it uh, goes back to the, the deleted folder so you can see it. Yes, and, and yes. not to respond to those and not to unsubscribe to the to the spam because exactly. I guess that just makes it yes. worse. Now you can unsubscribe to a newsletter like mine because it's an opt, you opted in. That's right, and so, the homes.com yes. newsletter, which I know they would never unsubscribe to. Oh, goodness, no. Liz, <laughs> <laughs> but do you mind if we open up and take some questions and comments and kind of share ideas? Please. So callers, a lot of people on the call today, as I knew there would be. So please mute out your phone. You uh, can either use the mute button on your handset on your phone, or you can press star six. So star six will mute you. And then when you have a question, and do feel free to participate. It's, I mean, think how much money Elizabeth charges per hour, and we get her for free. So really take advantage of this time. Press star six to come out, ask your question, and then I'll go into this quiet lecture mode. I'll repeat the question so then you can hear Elizabeth's answer. So callers, here we go. So thank you. First question, please. We're speaking with Elizabeth Hagen. I have a question. Yes. I think kids today, and those my kids have way more toys than I ever had growing up, and so that's something we struggle with. What are your suggestions for organizing toys? Elizabeth, let me repeat. That's an excellent question. Uh, she said that kids today, uh, she noticed, have so many more toys than she ever had. What suggestions do you have for dealing with this? Okay, first I want to give one, one hint, and then I'll, I'll address that. When you have birthday parties, and if your child gets eight gifts, when they bring them home, have them go into their toy room and pick eight gifts to give to charity. Ah. Okay. But to address the, the toy issue, go through the toys. If your child is young, do not go through the toys with them. Go through when they're napping. And, and you decide which toys are great and which toys aren't so great, kind of one through four that dump the rock, things like this also. If the child is old enough that they have attachments, go through with them and talk about 
how blessed we are and what others can do with these toys we don't really play with. Yes. Because the else I do is take the toys. Let's, let's say, I can't imagine this, but they're not playing with their Legos. Okay, take the Legos, spin them up, put them away for three months. You take them back out, it's like a brand new toy. You don't have to have every toy they own in the toy room. You can bin them up and store them also. That's true. I do that as well. Like I noticed that some toys, like dollhouses, are better for the winter months. Oh, and so I, I box those and put them up in the attic. And then I bring those down in the winter. And then I have kind of the summer toys available in the summer. And I also have my children before Christmas time, too, um, going through their toys. I say, you know, if you don't love it and you're not using it and it's in good shape, pass it on to somebody else because there's so many children who uh, do want to have the toys. And yes. that seems to help them, too. Yes, good. Oh, good. Let's take another question. Thank you, caller. That was excellent. Yes, I have a question, please. Yes, we can hear you just fine. Okay. Um, first of all, thank you so much for your tips. I've been typing feverishly. Um, I wanted to find out one of the problems with, um, one of the issues, rather, with homeschooling, and I've got four that I'm homeschooling, um, would be books. What do you suggest about organizing books? I've got bookcases probably in every room. Well, you know, this really is a good question, Elizabeth. She's wondering, what do you suggest for books, having a lot of books? Because it's awfully hard to give books away and awfully hard to toss them. So what are your, what's your advice on dealing with maybe book clutter, too many books, or at least how to organize the ones that we have? Okay. My first thought was bookcases, but she has the bookcases. So, so that, that's the first step is have a place to store them, have a home for them. Also, use a label maker. And, and, and when you go through your books, you'll have all the science together, all the math together, and so forth. But it sounds to me from the caller's question that she's realizing there's maybe too many books. And if there are, I'm sure there's homeschool cooperatives or you get together homeschool means that you can maybe uh, trade books with each other. But use the start method. You know, go through, really decide what you need to use and what not. And maybe the ones that you're not sure of, you could bin up and label if you have a storage room and put them there so just the ones you're really using are, are, are currently in the bookcase. Well, that's good. You're right. Use curriculum sales or um, garage sales, giving them to the library, handing them on to our uh, homeschooling support group or other homeschooling families, getting more bookshelves. Okay. Excellent. Good Good question and good answer. Next question, please. I can hear that some people are um, coming down to ask a question. Sometimes it takes a moment to come through. Another question, we're speaking with Elizabeth Hagen about calming the chaos of clutter in, in our homes. Uh, you know, uh, we interviewed Cheryl Carter last week, too, and she's a professional organizer who's a homeschooling mother, and she suggested that we look at the purpose, the use of each room. And, for example, uh, the dining room area we were talking about is used not just for eating but oftentimes for studies, and so she suggested that having the bookshelves and the storage areas right around the table in that area where you can put the books and put the curriculum material, put the art supplies away quickly and easily. I thought that was a good suggestion, don't you think, Elizabeth? It's an excellent suggestion because you're utilizing the space correctly. Yeah, and it may be different than the way other people use it. Yes. And, and then she suggested, too, like the living room, for example. Um, in her living room, she used it for science experiments on the coffee table. But they don't want to have them out all the time, so they put them in a box and they slide them underneath the couch. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and callers, too, this is such a big issue. After Elizabeth, we're going to be talking with Sunny Schlanger, uh, Schlanger about a time management system, creating a, ma a system that works for you. And last week, we interviewed Carol Carter, so you can get the recordings on that, because um, each of these experts has their own perspective on it, and it's so helpful because we're all different. And uh, I, I loved your approach here, Elizabeth, and looking at the clutter that's bothering you, because really, it's very unique. It's very personal. Yes, it is, and, and that will make you feel the best when you attack what's bugging you the most. So we're speaking with Elizabeth Hagen. Uh, her uh, website address is www.elizabethhagen.com, and we can purchase the Tickler file. Thank you for that. I'm going to go in and get that. And then also I, I, we can download the uh, menu planner and uh, shopping guide. And your suggestion then was to print that out, to get a clipboard, to hang it from a hook inside a cupboard, have a pen there. I just think that that's so easy but brilliant. Yes, and then train the family and don't go run to the store and they forget to write something down. They'll learn very quickly to write it down. 
That sounds great. So that we're going once a week. Yes. Well, thank you very much for your time this hour of just terrific information. You're all welcome, Rebecca. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. And we're going to open, if you'll stay on, we're going to open yes. up the call so our callers can come out and say goodbye and thank you to you. Okay. Um, and then coming up next, we have three more interviews today talking with Sunny Schlanger about creating a time management system that works for your style. Then from one to two, we're uh, talking with Matthew Golub about how to raise a lifetime reader. And finishing up today uh, with John Asaraf, how to train your child's brain for success, one of our motivational series. And then tomorrow is our last day on the homeschooling teleconference. And tomorrow we're speaking with uh, a Dr. Frank Barnhill and Pat Wyman about expert tips to help your active or ADHD child. Then we speak with Diana Johnson about when homeschooling gets tough, and she's going to talk about uh, common homeschooling mistakes and how to avoid them. We're also speaking with Howard Berg, who is uh, the Guinness Book of World Records holder for the fastest speeder, uh, uh, fastest reader in the world, and he talks about how to complete high school in half the time. Fascinating interview about uh, speed reading, speed math, uh, speed learning, uh, test preparation tips. I know you'll find it fascinating. And he even speaks quickly. <laughs> so you'll have to take notes down really fast. And then we end our teleconference uh, tomorrow, 2 o'clock, speaking with Marilyn Mosley um, about Dare to Dream, Help Your Child Discover Their Life Purpose. So we're going to open up the call, uh, say goodbye to Elizabeth Hagen. Then we'll take a seven-minute break, and we'll be back promptly at the top of the hour to interview our next guest. Here we go. So go ahead, callers. Press star six. Come on out and join me with thanking Elizabeth Hagen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you Elizabeth. Much. You're awesome.